Retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 212. Thanks for giving. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to a special holiday-themed episode of You Don't Know Flat. Today is December 16th, 2021, although barely December 16th. It's coming up on midnight. And I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. And on this episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about thanks for giving. So what does that even mean? That doesn't sound like a holiday-themed podcast. That sounds like something that's tied into Thanksgiving. But all will be revealed very shortly. If you're watching the video stream of this episode of You Don't Know Flack, you'll notice that I'm using the Sprite Castle uh, OBS theme. Uh, So you'll see the Sprite Castle branding on this episode, but that's okay. I wanted to use that because I had set this up for a winter-themed stream that I did the other day, and I liked it so much that I, uh, I just wanted to keep it going. So if you're watching the video, you can see snow falling on the background on the on the trees. You can't see that out my window because it is uh, it was about 70 degrees today in Oklahoma. We are not going to have a white Christmas. It's going to be 65 degrees. Uh, I should say Fahrenheit, uh, although 65 degrees Celsius would be something else as well. But it'll be 65 degrees Fahrenheit here on Christmas. That's what the forecasters are predicting. So that explains why I've got the, and on Sprite Castle, I have it set up where I have a big shot of my face and I don't have a lot of visuals. Uh, I don't have any visuals for this episode. So I thought it was silly to have my head down in a a size of a postage stamp window and then just have a really large static picture that said, you don't know flack, which is obviously what you are watching and or listening to. So before we get started talking about thanks for giving, I got to talk about Patreon. And it's not because I want to plug Patreon. It's because that's what this episode is about. Now, my Patreon site is patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. Of course, you can go there if you want to support the podcast. And before I opened up Patreon, so a little bit of backstory, if you haven't been following for... uh, a long time. I put my podcasts on the shelf. Uh, I kind of took a little hiatus. I kind of took a long hiatus back in uh, 2018. In fact, uh, I was just looking and you don't know Flack episode 184 was released in December 2018 and episode 185 didn't come out until July of 2020. So there was a Uh, a long break in there between episodes. And I honestly didn't know if I was going to podcast anymore. And so podcasting is a lot of work 
And I just didn't know if I had anything. It's not that I don't have things to say. It's that I don't know that I have things. uh, I don't always know that I have things worth listening to. (laughs) And so when I decided to put this back together, I kind of looked to some of my other friends to see what they were doing with their podcasts. And I talked to some of my longtime listeners and everybody said I should set up Patreon. And I've always felt guilty about Patreon from the very beginning because um, I, from a, a end user, uh, from a customer side, I totally get it. There's several podcasts that I listen to and, and I know that podcasting can be expensive and sometimes you just want to reward those people for doing the, putting out the content you want to hear. So I understand it from that angle, but as the person that receives the Patreon funds, uh, there's, uh, sometimes there's guilt involved, you know, and I like to use the Patreon funds to put back into the show. In fact, I've been talking with Sean, my partner from throwback reviews this week. There's a, uh, I think we're going to make some microphone changes that uh, he's, he's, uh, an audio whiz, and he's told me there's some different microphones and different setup I could do to probably make things sound a little better in my new setup in this house. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that, that I use the, the Patreon funds for. Plus, you know, web hosting and, and incidental things and, and uh, giveaways and, and just, you know, all, all different kinds of things. So I do try to funnel it back into the show. I never want to have this perception that I'm just, you know, uh, the old joke like this, the Scrooge McDuck, that's the, the picture that always comes to my mind. I'm sure I, I've referenced that before, just, you know, him doing the backstroke in a giant swimming pool full of gold coins. <laughs> <laughs> Not really like that. In fact, uh, I just got the uh, payment for my advertising on YouTube. So on all the Sprite Castle episodes that have been going on YouTube, they they have ads and they have as many ads as I can select. They have ads at the beginning, at the end, uh, in the middle. And for all those ads, I think they rounded up and I got $2. So it's certainly not the... <laughs> money-making venture that a lot of people think it might be. At least it hasn't been for me, but, um, but, uh, the, the support that I have got since coming out of semi-retirement and, you know, from listeners all over the world, really, but also through Patreon has just been overwhelming. And it, uh, it makes me want to keep going, not for the money, not for the payment, but because if people are willing to do that and want that content, that makes me feel like uh, it's worth doing. So when I said earlier, I don't always feel like that I have something that people want to hear. When I go to Patreon, I see my patrons. I see the people that have signed up. I get feedback from those people. I get comments from those people and suggestions from those people that is really uh and, and it's not of course just patrons i don't want to say that it's from all my listeners it, it's from you it's from all you guys that have emailed me and contacted me and interact with me on twitter or uh, uh you know shoot me your your comments after the show i mean that's that's really uh you know the, the only reason to do it for me everybody has their own reasons but for me that's that's always a driving factor And when I go on Patreon and I see that list of people and those people that I know are expecting new content, 
um, that makes the wheels keep turning. You know, that makes me go back and, and try to come up with, with new topics and new things to talk about. And so, uh, what I decided to do here at the end of the year was to go back and I sent a message out to all my supporters on Patreon and asked them if they had anything that they wanted to plug. Of course, you know, uh, I, I plug stuff all the time uh, on the show, but I, I wanted to give those people an opportunity to, to, um, tell me something that they're doing. You know, what are they up to? And I got, uh, you know, uh, not, not feedback, but I, I did get, uh, several responses, lots of responses. Uh, and some of them I knew what people were into. And some of them I had no idea. Some of them were quite a surprise. And so, but I didn't want this episode to just be a list of me listing, you know, things that people had for sale or, or things that uh, people wanted to plug. And so I went through the list and I've tried to come up with little stories, uh, how I can relate to those things. And so I think it should be a fun episode. I hope I haven't turned you off too much here at the beginning, but uh, so we will get started going through. And uh, of course I'll be calling out, uh, uh, you know, these, these uh, uh, patrons by name, uh, and going through some of the things and boy, I tell you what, if, uh, if there was one thing, you know, they always used to make those jokes as kids and they would say, you know, when, when you were in line, you know, they didn't give you brains or this or that or whatever. I wish I had been born with the ability to truly multitask. I don't have that ability. So when I, uh, I'm talking and I stop to click on something or look for a file or look for information. My, my mouth just stops working. My brain freezes up. It's, uh, uh, something I wish that I I've tried, uh, to overcome and I just can't seem to be able to do it. So when you, when you hear me just stop talking or start rambling, uh, like a, some sort of, uh, a head injury victim just rambling incoherently. That's usually what's going on. I'm usually trying to open a separate file, which is what just happened. So, uh, we will get started with Mr. Edward Smith. Edward Smith is one of my Patreon supporters. And, uh, so anyway, the, the way that this worked was I asked people to send me a plug and uh, most of the people who sent me something to, uh, you know, their plug, prefaced it by saying, I feel really awkward about doing this, or I, you know, um, I don't really, you know, I don't know, I, I guess, you know, people, it, it's, it can make you uncomfortable to uh, try to sell yourself, you know, and uh, so I, I don't want anybody to think these, you know, the people on this list were like, hey, I want to, you know, how come you're not talking about me on your podcast? It wasn't like that at all. I solicited these things. So I want you to know that going into um, Edward Smith has been supporting my podcast for a long time. And he says, uh, Edward Smith, something uh, I did know this about him because he had emailed one of his games to me. Edward Smith has made many Atari 2600 homebrew games and if you're in the homebrew community, you know that the cartridges can be very expensive for these homebrews. And people, sometimes they sell these cartridges and they really protect the ROMs. They don't want people downloading the ROMs. But Edward has made all of his games available for free download. They're on Atari Age. And in fact, if you go to Google and type Edward Smith Homebrew, you will go right to uh, the, the first link that comes up is the link to this 
thread that's on Atari Age. And by the way, I will, uh, in the show notes on the website, which is podcast.robohair.com, on the show notes, I will add every one of these links to that. I get pretty lazy about show notes, about going in there and adding the links, but I want all these links to be out there so people can easily find them. So you don't have to write them down uh, while you're listening. You could go to podcast.robohair.com after the show and find all these links. But Edward Smith writes homebrew games for the Atari 2600. And like I said, you can type in Edward Smith Atari homebrew and you will get right to this thread on Atari age. Uh, I believe he has 13 different games that are available. Uh, oh, it's uh, the name of the thread title is Edward Smith's games. And so literally, if you type that Edward Smith's games into Google, you'll find this thread. Uh, some of the games include uh, one versus one basketball, pro golf, pro bowling, and fish fight. Uh, now, some of these games are for sale in cartridge form over at gooddealgames.com, but Edward says that he doesn't make any money from those. He's literally just given his his ROMs to them to turn into cartridges and sell, and if there are any profits from those sales, they go back into uh, other projects that Good Deal Games support. So uh, his ultimate goal is just to get as many people as possible to enjoy the games. So first of all, uh, oh, and by the way, uh, this isn't on the list that he sent me, but Edward Smith emailed me a copy of Kung Fu Combat 2, which is a game that he made for the Atari 2600, and I uh, hadn't played it. But I went back and, oh my gosh, it's so fun. I mean, that is so right up my alley. He also did another game called Alien Revenge. And you could go through that thread and see where people have made suggestions or there have been minor bugs and he's updated the official release. So he's he's constantly uh, tweaking these games and, and making them perfect. And when you look at these games, they look... Uh, all of them look as good as original games did on the Atari 2600. A lot of them look, uh, even better. You know, they're, they're really, uh, just, I, I'm, I gotta say that I'm shocked that he gives the ROMs away for free, to be honest with you, because they're so good. Um, he also on that thread, if you go through the, he has puzzles, uh, that go along with the games. And so the puzzles sometimes have things that are in the manual and you have to figure out what the puzzles are and also some bits. Uh, to figure out the solution to the puzzle may be hidden in the actual game itself, which I really love that idea. I've always been a big fan of the Easter eggs and things like that, uh, you know, in video games. So uh, definitely go check out Edward's games for the Atari 2600. Uh, I will, you know, if I had a story to go with this, I think I would have to say um, that I remember as a kid getting... Uh, seeing, you know, early demos on the Commodore 64 and, and the earliest demos I can think of did three things. They displayed a graphic and they played music and they would show some sort of scrolling text. So they would have text that scrolled across the bottom. And I remember so hard trying to do something that would do all those things. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know machine language. I didn't know how to do that stuff. I only knew basic. And so I would mess around with basic and, and try, uh, my hardest to, uh, 
you know, like simulate, like in basic simulate, like do things in basic to make it look like what I had seen. So to draw a word and then, you know, erase the word and then add a letter and redraw the word. So I would have, you know, a thousand lines <laughs> of basic words just overriding itself, the same line moving up and trying, you know, trying to just simulate those things. Um, and, and really getting an appreciation for the coding that went on behind the scenes to pull that stuff off, you know. And so, uh, uh, Edward, Edward's games are just top notch, you know. So, um, if, if you like Atari 2600 games and what I need to do in the near future, I'll do this in the new year uh, on one of my stream nights is I need to stream some Atari games. I haven't streamed Atari 2600 games yet. And so I, I'm going to do that and I'm going to fit some of Edward's homebrews in there. So thank you, Edward, for uh, sharing that. And like I said, go, um, uh, if you go to the, the show notes after the show, I'll add a link where you can download all of Edward's homebrew Atari 2600 games. The uh, next person that contacted me was Patrick Markey, one of another, uh, one of my Patreon supporters. And, uh, this is the blurb from his website. It says, uh, Dr. Patrick Markey is a professional of psychological and brain sciences at Villanova University and has published over 80 articles, book chapters, and made hundreds of presentations at scientific meetings discussing the impact of video games and other social concerns. His research has garnered widespread media attention and has been featured in the New York Times, Washington Post, The Atlantic, and on CNN, NPR, BBC, PBS, and NBC. First of all, Patrick, you are overqualified to be listening to my show. <laughs> Whenever I hear someone, uh, you know, credentials like that, then I always think to myself, I should really uh, make sure that my grammar, <laughs> uh, especially since I have a degree in, in English and in writing, uh, I should really make sure that everything is grammatically correct and try to uh, straighten up and, and fly right and not uh, swing uh, swing from the hip, shoot from the hip. Same, there you go, right there. Uh, so anyway, uh, Patrick's latest book is called Moral Combat, Why the War on Violent Video Games is Wrong. And it explores how video games, even the bloodiest, can positively impact everything from social skills to stress and may even make us more and more morally sensitive. Tracing the rise of violent games from arcades to online death matches, Markey has spent years on the front lines of the video game debate and now offers a comprehensive overview of the scientific research on gaming. Moral Combat, Why the War on Violent Video Games is Wrong is available on Kindle, print, and audio at most major retailers. You know, when I grew up, I think the argument about violence in video games has been around as long as there's been video games. I remember, of course, when people go back, they talk about Death Race. Uh, there was the movie Death Race 2000, where the race cars uh, did a cross-country road uh, race, and they got points for running over pedestrians <laughs> in the movie. It's a kind of a dark comedy. Uh, it's a silly type movie. But then there was a video game called Death Race, and 
You literally drove these cars and ran over people that looked like stick people, and they would make little tombstones with crosses on them. I mean, there's nothing gory about it, right? It's the kind of drawing a, a kindergartner would make. Um, but there were there were protests. There were people that talked about the violence in that game, and and no matter what the type of game has been, I mean, the, the graphics, of course, have only got better over time. But there was controversy. Um, you know, the game Chiller, the, uh, where, where you, uh, shot people in a, uh, uh, you know, people are being tortured and you, you shot people and, and, uh, you could, you know, just torture them and do all, all sorts of things like that. There's been, uh, um, I think Splatterhouse, you know, there, there's just multiple games like that that have always, uh, garnered attention and pushback, uh, you know, especially in, the in the media and probably from, uh, well-meaning parents. But, uh, you know, so when I was a kid, I played all that stuff. I listened to heavy metal. I've talked about this. I listened to Ozzy Osbourne. I played violent video games. I did all these things. I watched horror movies and I also had straight A's. And, you know, I remember one time asking my parents, I asked my mom, I said, you know, do you have a problem with uh, the music I'm listening to? And she said, man, as long as you get straight A's, I don't care. And so that was kind of our deal. As long as I was still a a well-adjusted functioning child, uh, that there was no, uh, no problem, you know, as far as my parents were concerned. And I remember, of course, I was uh, a late teen when Mortal Kombat came out. Um, and I remember all the controversy. People were like, oh my gosh, this ninja, you know, tears off his face and turn, you know, he blows fire on another ninja. And I just thought the whole thing was so hilarious that people were so worked up about a video game. And of course it was over the top. That's why people were talking about it. And I remember saying to myself, I will never censor my kids from playing a video game. There's no video game that I will not let them play. And then I saw Grand Theft Auto (laughs) 3 and some of the newer Grand Theft Autos. And the game, but you know, part of it's the violence. Part of it is the language. Part of it is, I don't know. Uh, And I, you know, I've heard people say, well, Grand Theft Auto kind of is a reflection of what you are. Like if you, you know, run over prostitutes and peel out on their heads, maybe you're not a good person. I don't think I'm a good person. (laughs) If that's the, if that's the litmus test, how you play Grand Theft Auto, then I'm not a nice person because I, I mean, it says, you know, hey, welcome to the game. And before you can tell me what to do, I've stolen a car. I've started a police chase. I'm running over pedestrians. I'm swerving to try and hit them. Like, I'm not a good guy in that game, you know? So, but when I played that, I thought maybe, maybe all games aren't for kids. And of course, now we have games that are directed towards adults, which at the time, you know, Mortal Kombat was directed towards everybody. And so, uh, I don't know. I, I do have, uh, and of course now, you know, um, my kids are old enough. They can play and pretty much watch. I, I, there's no way to control what they play or watch anymore. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, uh, you know, when you have a, a 17 and a 20 year old, well, a 20 year old, I mean, my son has moved out. So <laughs> whatever, whatever chance I had in guiding him is over. Um, uh, but you know, I think, uh, when you had, 
a, a, a you know one gaming system and it was hooked up to the TV in the living room, you had a little bit of control. Uh, when kids are playing games on their phone that they take to school or when they're on the bus, uh, you lose a certain amount of control. So it's a it's an interesting debate. And uh, I would definitely like to check out Patrick's book. Again, that was uh, Moral Combat, Why the War on Violent Video Games is Wrong. I, I uh, uh, would love to hear some of the scientific facts behind, uh, you know, the argument of, of why why it's uh, it's wrong. So anyway, thank you, uh, Patrick, for uh, uh, submitting that. The next person on my list is Rick Reynolds, and this is a quick, I didn't get anything from Rick, but I know he's been one of my uh, patrons for a long time, and Rick Reynolds is the host. He's participated in a lot of podcasts, but the one that I associate him the most with is the Holiday Special podcast and you can find that on iTunes it has its own RSS feed if you google holiday special podcast i'm sure you'll be able to find the link or search for that in iTunes and you'll be able to find the podcast but uh i was a guest host rick had me on uh, a couple of times and the first time i was on i believe was to talk about the original star wars uh, the very first holiday special. And then recently they did another holiday special, which is a CGI, uh, which is a, a really fun. It's uh, uh, like the Star Wars Legos holiday special. And it was a lot of fun. And so he asked me to come back on since I had done the original episode and we got to kind of compare and contrast the two specials and, and run through them. And, and, uh, and we had a good time talking about that. And Rick is a avid, Retro enthusiast, as many of my listeners are, probably you are. He loves old computers, and and whenever we podcast together, he always has his camera set up, and I can see all the computers that are sitting behind him, and that's uh, uh, it's always nice to to see those things and to see someone who who takes an interest in uh, not just collecting but fixing those machines up and, and keeping them alive. So. Uh, Rick, uh, again, has been supporting me for a long, long, long time. And, uh, if you want to listen to a different, uh, a podcast and it's not just Christmas. When I first heard the podcast, I thought it was going to be just Christmas, uh, pod or uh, Christmas specials that he's covering, but he covers, uh, specials about all different holidays. It goes through, of course, there are Easter specials. There are specials, just all, you know, lots of Halloween stuff and, and all sorts of things that he covers. So the holiday special uh, podcast by Rick Reynolds. Go check that out. Uh, the next submission I have is from Stephen Burt. Stephen Burt has been uh, supporting the show for a while now. Uh, and Stephen says... Uh, he has, uh, well, he introduces himself in, in his uh, paragraph, and then he said, I have some personal experiences in our family regarding mental health issues. My wife entered a severe depression about a year ago, and thankfully she worked with her therapists and doctors in order to improve significantly. Uh, it's sometimes, uh, it takes time, and, uh, oh, 
sorry, I jumped a line here. Uh, it takes time and uh, to never give up. And then many years ago, his brother contemplated suicide and reached out and got help. And both of them made the choice to get help. So uh, what Stephen has asked me to share with you is that if you or anyone you know is suffering, please reach out to one of the many organizations that are available. And two of them are mentalhealth.gov and suicidepreventionlifeline.org. So this is not, you know, him plugging something that he's personally selling, obviously, but, um, uh, you know, a, a bigger cause here. Uh, I have told the story, and I'm sure on You Don't Know Flack somewhere, about uh, my friend Will. Will was a, a kid that I grew up with. Uh, I know that I've talked about it on the podcast. And uh, he, unfortunately, uh, took his own life. And we were, uh, my mom used to babysit kids when I was younger. And so Will was two years older than me. And we were so similar in our tastes. We both loved Star Wars. We both uh, would play, you know, he would bring his action figures. So he would come to our house uh, after school and stay at our house for three or four hours until his parents got off work and would pick him up. Uh, sometimes, uh, during the summer, he would also stay with us. So my mom had several kids that, that would stay with us. There was always four or five kids hanging around the house, uh, especially during the summer and after school sometimes, uh, will love to draw. And I remember when Zoids came out, which were these little, uh, they look like dinosaurs and other little sorts of, uh, um, uh, vehicles and they, they were like little models that you put together, but they had a wind-up motor inside, and so you could wind them up. And so, like, there was a futuristic-looking Stegosaurus and a guy that would go in the cockpit and all kinds of fun things. And he was a great artist, and he would sketch these Zoids like in a cartoon, like doing different things, and come up with his own designs and stuff. And so he was just a really cool kid. And being two years older than me, I, like I didn't have a brother. Uh, I had a younger sister, but I didn't have a brother and I didn't have an older uh, sibling. So I just uh, always enjoyed being around him. And uh, he uh, took his own life when he was 15. And uh, of course, I remember, I mean, I remember everything about it, but uh, I remember the age specifically because I just remember people saying, like he couldn't even drive yet. He wasn't old enough to drive. And that's what people just kept repeating and just thinking like, you know, your life changes so dramatically once you get your license and you're only a couple of years from graduating high school and, and, uh, you know, moving away and, and doing all these things like your life has just not started. And I always think what a tragedy because all the things that he and I love together. We love playing space Legos. We loved playing Atari, you know, all these things. And I just think how much he would love the internet and all the stuff. And I, I just uh, can't help but, but think, you know, what he would have been like as an adult. And, and I just feel like we would still be friends today, you know? So uh, the holidays are not an easy time for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, we we see all these Hallmark movies and families getting together and everybody has a potluck dinner and everything's all hunky-dory and, and uh, holidays are a good time for a lot of people, but not for everybody. So if you are uh, at a point where uh, you feel like you uh, – and, and you don't 
have to be like on the edge of the cliff. I mean, you don't have to wait until, you know, things are a 10 out of 10. If you just want somebody to talk to, if you want, uh, you know, just, just to, um, to reach out, then, uh, those, those websites are good places to start mentalhealth.gov and suicidepreventionlifeline.org. So thanks, uh, Stephen for sharing that. And I appreciate uh, you sharing your story with everyone. Uh, next up on the list is Roy Jacobs. Uh, Roy Jacobs, by the way, is just like a super American sounding name. And then in a recent email, and I probably did know this, uh, but in a recent email, we were talking about Halloween and Roy sent me a picture of his uh, uh, kids in a, a Halloween costume and then mentioned that that's uh, that most people don't celebrate. They don't dress up in the Netherlands. And I, it just caught me off guard because Roy Jacobs is like such an American name. Like that just sounds like the guy that lives down my house, like two streets down that has a tractor, like Roy Jacobs. That's like a dude's name. <laughs> so for some, when I saw that, uh, like there's no umlauts in the name. There's no anything to, to give me a hint. Uh, that, um, that it's, he lives, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away. Um, anyway, uh, Roy told me that he has written an assembler and visual studio code plugin for the 6502 CPU. So if you're into coding Commodore stuff, this may be right up your alley. Uh, he says it supports debugging your Commodore 64 application via vice. It has syntax highlighting and all kinds of different functions. It's free and it's open source. So this is again, uh, not something he's trying to make money off of. It's something he wants to share with the community. The website is moss.data. TRA.SH. So it's moss.datatrash, but the SH is the uh, end part of the domain there. So moss.datatra.sh. Again, all these links will be on the website. I went to the Emergency Commodore Computer Club in Chicago the year that. Commodore, my first book came out. So it was 2006. And I remember going there. And of course, this was like at a time for me when I was just getting back into the Commodore 64. I had dug my Commodore 64 out of the garage. Once again, I'd set it back up. I'd been transferring discs. And I'd been going online and seeing that there were new Commodore games coming out and new tools and things like that. So I didn't realize that there was still a community. Uh, there was a long time where I didn't know that there was a retro gaming community, a retro computing scene. I just thought I was this one weirdo out in the middle of nowhere that still enjoyed the Commodore. I didn't know there were other people doing things. And so when I went to the uh, ECCC convention up in Chicago that year, I saw people doing uh, cross-platform development. You know, I saw these amazing graphics on the Commodore 64, but then what I saw was the same graphic on a PC next to it, and people were using utilities to convert the graphics on the PC over to a format that would work, that would be compatible on the Commodore 64, you know, taking the uh, colors down from... 16 million down to 16 colors, right? And, and changing the pixel size down, things like that. 
And I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, now, there are pixel artists that don't work that way. There are pixel artists that just draw things by hand. And I'm always amazed by people that have artistic skill like that. But, um, but that was really the first time I was exposed to cross development. And, uh, you know, people might say, well, for the art types things, that might be cheating a little bit or something like that. I don't, I don't know what, what people think, but, uh, for game development, for programming, uh, like I don't want to type in a big giant thing on the Commodore 64 keyboard. <laughs> I like having a mouse. <laughs> I like being able to cut and paste text with a mouse and, and move things around. And so, uh, you know, if you're going to code, I mean, that's what they all do. If you're going to code today, these new games that are being released, you do it on a PC and then you uh, move it across. So, uh, that, uh, uh, that tool that he has released is, um, uh, you know, the way people do that. So if you are into coding and, and you want to take a look at something like that, uh, go check out that link again for uh, Roy Jacobs tool. It's it's very cool. And it's great that it's uh, free. You know, uh, the, the whole Commodore community just seems to be built uh, about people just helping other people, you know, whether it's development stuff, whether it's, um, you know, just all sorts of stuff. It's a, uh, to me, obviously, I believe it's the the greatest uh, uh, community of uh, retro computing scene that's still alive today. I think there's uh, you know other communities that would probably disagree with me, but uh, uh, but that's how I feel about the Commodore stuff. So uh, the next person on my list is Mark Alley, uh, and uh, this is from Mark Alley's website. It says Mark Alley is a lifelong geek. He owns dozens of Optimus Prime toys, has watched every Godzilla film multiple times, and keeps a lovingly bagged collection of over 1,800 comic books in his office closet. Mark has written three nerd-friendly books and is currently working on Stellar Warlords, a pulp sci-fi story on Kindle Vela. Uh, so... Right off the bat, uh, oh, and his website is markalley.com, and that's Mark with a C. So that's M-A-R-C-A-L-L-I-E.com. Uh, Mark's three books are I Was Geeky When Geeky Wasn't Cool, Don't Stop the Geekin', which was a kind of a follow-up to that first book, and then uh, The Thing from the Drive-In, which is a uh, fiction book. Uh, the first two are nonfiction. They're stories from uh, Mark's uh, childhood, looking back of you know things about uh, retro nostalgia, toys, video games, things like that. And then his new book is Stella Warlords. Now I haven't been following this new Kindle Vela thing, but it's a, a way to publish books a chapter at a time. And so I believe Mark's up to. Uh, part four that's out there. So you can um, uh, check that out, you know, as he releases a new chapter each month or so, you can get the new version of the book. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Mark Alley. He was in Oklahoma City one time and told me he was coming to town. And my wife and I went and met uh, Mark and his wife, and we had a uh, a lovely lunch. We, we met down at a really good uh, Mexican restaurant, if I remember right. And he's just... Uh, as nice in person as he seems online, he's just a, a, a super friendly guy, super outgoing guy. And like a lot of us, he just has a, a great love for uh, all things nostalgia. Um, 
you know, Mark's, I read Mark's first two books. I bought the first two books. And then uh, Mark has a really bad habit of putting his books up for free on Facebook. So I think I got the third book for free. Um, so I have them, uh, you know, all in my Kindle library. But uh both of his first two books just reminded me so much of my childhood. Some of the toys uh, we click on, some of them we don't. Like, I wasn't a huge Transformer guy. Of course, I was a big Star Wars guy. In fact, he's holding a uh, in the, the uh, graphics on the front cover. He's holding a lightsaber, and there's all kinds of toys and stuff. So, um, But, you know, even the, the things about Transformers and stuff, I mean, all the stories are good. Even if it's not some sort of uh, toy that you personally had or something, you will relate to the stories that are in there. And, and uh, there's some uh, uh, really funny stories. There's some good stories. There's a couple of really kind of sad ones that are in there and it's just a really great read. So uh, if you're looking for something to read over the holidays, go check out Mark Alley's website and, uh, and, and check out his books and check out his new book that he's releasing. I got to find out more about this uh, Kindle Vela thing he's got going on. That sounds pretty cool. Speaking of books, the next person that contacted me is David Hearn. Uh, David Hearn is a writer and he features retro characters inspired by Commodore 64 games in his books. For example, he has Elvin, that is the bad guy from Impossible Mission, and Benson from Mercenary. Uh, those are just two examples. Uh, his website is davidhearnwriter.com and his last name is H E like here, H E A R. N-E. So it's David Hearn Writer, all one word, dot com. Uh, his next book, which is coming out in 2022, is called Escape from the Commodore 64. <laughs> so how could that not be on my radar? I'm so looking forward to that. Uh, here's the blurb right from David's website. He says, hello. He is an Australian writer. Uh, he pins screenplays and books with the purpose to entertain. You can find links to his books and audiobooks via the, his website, as well as finding out what he's up to. Uh, he's written four screenplays, and all of them have been official selections, finalists, or overall winners in competitions all around the world. It's not easy to uh, write screenplays, so uh, that's uh, uh, definitely a plus uh, for David there. Uh, he says he has books and audiobooks adapted from those, as well as writing. He loves retro computer games, Commodore 64 and Amiga, and video games. And then he says he was wishes he was better at Galaga. Well, don't we all? I'm terrible. Um, he also loves the Parramatta Eels Football Club, Fords, and Rescue Animals, but not in that order. Now, I had not heard of the Parramatta Eels Football Club, uh, but what I did not realize is that uh, David is from Australia. Uh, so, I, you know, after that, it made more sense. Uh, again, he says his next book, uh, again, this is from the website, is uh, Escape from the Commodore 64. It's coming in the first quarter of 2022. It'll be uh, available everywhere when it's finished. It says, written by an old retro gamer for old retro gamers. I can't wait to share it with the world. I love being a part of the retro gaming community and I'm honored to support these champions. Uh, he does support several different podcasts, including uh, Amigos, and, and I've run into him multiple times. And David was one of the very first people to sign on board when I came back with Sprite Castle and set up Patreon. He was literally one of the first people to sign up. So David has been 
with me since uh, since the relaunch of of Sprite Castle, my uh, other the Commodore sixty four podcast. Um, you know, you know, I mentioned uh, Roy Jacobs uh, being from Denmark, and the same thing with David Hearn. Uh, I I communicated with him a couple of times until uh, well, a couple of times, and then realized that he was not. I don't. You got to forgive us, U.S. people. We think everybody lives in the United States, and uh, to find out that he was in Australia, I just thought that was such a neat thing. Um, I love what the internet has done for retro computing and and communication in general uh you know in in my school growing up there was a small group of people that had commodore 64s and we hung out but the older that you got and people fell away uh, you relied on people that were in your area code you know you'd look for other uh, bbs's that were run on commodores and, and you you tried to to seek out those people uh but as more and more people fell away from the hobby, there were fewer and fewer people to hang out with and talk to, you know? And so now to be able to do something like a podcast or a YouTube video and be able to communicate, to find people that are in Australia or or to allow uh, or to facilitate those people finding you is just such a neat thing to me. And especially somebody like David that obviously has uh, a huge love for the Commodore 64, uh, his books, uh, again, you know, all these uh, characters from Commodore games and stuff. If you like the Commodore 64 and the Amiga, you are going to love his stuff. You know, I remember when I was doing uh, Souls at Zero, which I did a episode a long time ago. It was the uh, lit group that we set up. Uh, and this was during BBS. It started when we, it was only BBSs. And when it ended, it was kind of, uh, it ran for two years. And it was, uh, we were into the internet age at that point. But I remember getting feedback from people mostly in my state in Oklahoma. And then we started getting feedback from people in, in surrounding states. And one day we got a email and I don't even know how we got email. <laughs> it was like an email that worked through a BBS system and it was connected. So my email address was like something.telepath.bbs.something.something.something. I didn't even know what my my email address was. And I got this message from a guy who said he was our biggest fan and he was from Portugal. And we literally for a week just could not believe that somehow this goofy little thing that we had written had made it to Portugal. And then someone had read it and then got a message from Portugal back to us. It was just mind blowing uh, that that had happened. And so, uh, you know, nowadays, of course, uh, the Internet is is global. And and so we kind of take that communication uh, for granted, but I'm always excited when I, I, you know, and and it's fun because people have different points of view. Again, you know, uh, I hate it that Americans kind of have this uh, perception or, you know, global perception of us that, that we are, uh, you know, U.S. centric, even though (laughs) there's a bit of truth to that. And when I was a kid, I remember seeing all these games that were PAL format and thinking, why are they making all these games for people in Europe? Like, who's playing games in Europe? Like, the Commodore is only in the United States. Why are they doing this? You know, and of course, now (laughs) through the Internet, we find out that, uh, you know, 
like especially even with the Amiga scene, that there was so many more people overseas that were programming and playing games and, and developing games and things like that. So I, I always find that interesting. Um, anyway, that's a little bit off topic there, but uh, uh, DavidHernWriter.com is, is David's website, and I'm definitely looking forward to uh, Escape from the Commodore 64. He couldn't, couldn't write a better title uh, to get my attention, so I'm looking forward to that, David. Next up on my list is Rob Sherwin. Uh, Rob Sherwin is not just a friend of the podcast. Rob Sherwin is a personal friend of mine. Uh, we met, oh my gosh, 15 years ago now. I think it's been about that long. Uh, we have uh, everything in common uh, except for where we live. He lives in uh, just outside of Denver. And of course, I live in Oklahoma. Uh, Rob has flown to Oklahoma multiple times just to hang out with me, to go to conventions, uh, to hang out at arcades. I have gone to Denver. He stayed at my house. I've stayed at his house. Uh, just a very close personal friend of mine. And uh, when I, one of the reasons that I first crossed paths, well, Rob and I both had uh, an interest in arcade games. And all of the arcade games that I owned at the time were pieces of junk that I got. Uh, every every arcade game, I mean, there's a couple of exceptions, but for the most part, were whatever I could buy at the absolute cheapest at auctions. Like, if I could pay $50 or $100 for a machine, that's what I would buy. And I went to Rob's house, and every one of his machines is uh immaculate they're all restored they all look like they're brand new they all function i was like what you have games where all the buttons work this is crazy um so that's how we first met was through arcades um but rob sherwin is also a prolific text adventure author he has written many text adventures and uh, his latest one is called Jay Schilling's Edge of Chaos, and it's uh, being released on Steam December 21st. Now, I got a copy uh, somewhere else. I guess there was a, just a regular release first, but not on Steam. And I, I have to say this. Uh, a lot of these text adventures now, they use different, like you have to install different, uh, you know, the engines to run them. And some of it can even get like down, like the old DOS days where you got to set up your path and include things. So it can be a little tricky to get some of these newer text adventures to run, especially if it's, uh, you don't have the, the engine installed and things like that. But if you get it through Steam, it's all included right there. And so, uh, and by the way, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I know that I can't do a giveaway just, uh, for my, my patrons, but, uh, Rob has given me a, uh, a steam code for, uh, one steam code for, uh, Jay Schilling's edge of chaos. And his last game is crypto Zookeeper, which is on steam also. And I have a couple of giveaway codes for that. So uh, I got to figure out a way to do that. We'll have some sort of contest on the podcast. Well, I'll figure something out for the next episode and uh, we'll do something. Uh, crypto Zookeeper is literally a game where you go around and it's almost like Pokemon because you go collecting DNA and then you find these machines and you build your own army of cryptids. So you can mix, 
you know, Bigfoot with the Loch Ness monster and all these things and create your own monsters. And then you build an army to fight other cryptids. And it's all in a text adventure. So it's really, really fun because you have to move around this town and go find the different things and stuff. And, and Rom just has a, um, he's one of those people that his, his wit is so fast and so funny that he always, uh, has me laughing. And you know, when the two of us are together, we're just constantly laughing. Uh, so anyway, I'll tell you real quick about uh, his latest game, Jay Schilling's Edge of Chaos. He says, uh, this is a text adventure created by Rob Sherwin and Mike Sousa. They got it to work on Windows, Macs, and Linux. Uh, as he says, uh, if you're into alternative lifestyle operating systems, and it's a throwback game out of the late 1980s, where you can run around and find clues and talk to people. And there are some pictures every now and then, too. And you might find it funny. It'll be on Steam, being released December 21st. Uh, so one of the things I neglected to say is that the language that Rob writes his text adventures in also has pictures like the old, you probably remember from the eighties, there were text adventures that would pop up still pictures, but he has pictures for every character, for every location uh, that pop up. And a lot of what he does is he will retrograde those pictures to where they only appear like in CGA. Um, uh, so it's really, really uh, just a complete package. And Jay Schilling's Edge of Chaos, you are basically a noir detective trying to solve a crime. Uh, I think it was a, a kidnapping, if I remember correctly, but uh, it's been a while since I played it. But um, the one thing I do remember is just... Uh, just falling over laughing. Uh, he's he's just such a funny writer. And um, let's see. Well, I, you know, I think I, I basically, uh, you know what? One thing I, I can say about um, Rob is that after hanging out with him and talking about text adventures so long, I ended up writing my own text adventure. And I wrote a couple of text adventures um, and none of them are very good <laughs> because if you start a, it's kind of like, I always used to say this about tattoos. I would say, I don't want to be the guy that's, that walks into a tattoo parlor and says, I want a tattoo. What do you got? Like, that's not me. But if I were to say, I love Star Wars so much that I want a stormtrooper tattooed, you know, on my arm. And then I walked into the tattoo parlor. That makes sense to me. Like having something that you want tattooed makes sense but going in and saying i want a tattoo but i don't know what i want that's like reverse to me and so when i wrote my text adventure i said i'm gonna write a text adventure what should i make it about uh and and rob doesn't do that rob sherman doesn't do that he has the story he has these ideas and then he puts them into the text adventure so i kind of worked backwards and you can always tell when you're playing a text adventure like that because you know You'll walk into a room and it'll say, hey, there's a key here. And later on, hey, there's a lock here. And you go, oh, I got to go get that key. You know, it's my adventure was very simplistic. Uh, but his are, are all stories that you will get engaged in. So uh, anyway, uh, his new game is Jay Schilling's Edge of Chaos. And that will be out on Steam December 21st. And Crypto Zookeeper is already on Steam. So that's uh, another one you could check out. Uh, next up is Boar's Head Tavern, BBS. Now, Boar's Head Tavern, uh, when I opened up the, I had the original, 
Patreon level, the uh, uh, 8-bit supporters. But I opened up a 16-bit supporter. A couple people had asked for that. I opened it up, and uh, Boar's Head Tavern BBS was one of the first people to jump in on that. Uh, this is a Commodore 64 BBS that you telnet to, and the address is BYOB dot hop to dot org and then you have to put in a port and of course that port is 64 128 so it's byob dot hop to dot org 64 128 and you can connect to it if you know about telnetting to bbs's there's software on the pc or if you have a um Commodore 64 that's somehow connected to the internet like a, with a uh, a wi-fi adapter i have one of those and you can get terminal programs that support that so you could connect that way or of course uh, the mister also supports networking as does the commodore 64 the uh, uh, ultimate 64 so there's lots of ways to connect to these bbs's and see all the uh, traditional commodore 64 graphics uh, the sysop of boar's head tavern is mac x uh, and this, his BBS is like one of those elite BBSs. Like when I was a kid, this is a BBS I would not have access to. They would have sniffed me out as being a poser and kicked me off a long time ago. But uh, they put up with pretty much anybody and you can get on there. You can upload and download games. You can play online games and they have a huge message area. I think that's one of the things that they're, they're uh, most known for. And you can rub elbows with some, uh, some veterans of the scene for sure. So, uh, definitely, um, uh, if you want to check out, you know, if you're into Commodore BBSs and that's a big part of the scene, that's, uh, still alive today, go check out Boar's Head Tavern BBS. Uh, the next person on my list is Scott Lambert. Scott Lambert has been a Patreon supporter of mine since before the pause. I think he's been supporting the show for at least five years, maybe maybe longer. Uh, and I first heard Scott's name when I was listening to the uh, original version of No Quarter podcast, which was uh, the arcade podcast with Carrington and uh, Mike McGinnis. And uh, man, I, I miss both of those guys. Uh, I, I'm, I haven't seen Mike around in a long time, and, and uh, I hope he's doing well. And I get to hear Carrington every now and then on the Retro Computing Roundtable podcast. And Carrington is just uh, one of the smartest. Carrington is one of those guys that uh, makes you feel dumb, but in a good way. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like every time I read something and or I hear his podcasts or I read something he's written and he's so smart that it makes me want to try to be smarter. Uh, so it's not like a, a, a put down towards me. It's like like I want to elevate myself uh, because, uh, gosh, his wit is so fast and he's just a, such a smart and funny and very, very, very kind person. Uh, but anyway, back to Scott Lambert. The reason I heard his name is because uh, Carrington would do these plugs for a place called the Under Underground Retrocade, which is a retro arcade located at 121 West Main Street in West Dundee, Illinois. That's just outside of Chicago. And Scott Lambert is the owner of the Underground Retrocade. Um, you can find out more about the Underground Retrocade at undergroundretrocade.com. Now, I have not been to Underground Retrocade because I haven't been to Chicago in several years, but I definitely want to get back. I remember the 
first time someone told me that they're like, I had no concept. This was back before retro arcades were a big deal. And someone told me about the 1984 arcade. And so uh, as I drop things on the desk, uh, a friend of mine and I drove to Springfield, Missouri, and we went to the 1984 arcade and we just were astounded at how cool that was. And then there was a retro arcade that was here in Oklahoma city, for a while, I finally got to go to, to Fun Spot, and so I started making these things uh, a part of my trips. When we would go on vacation, I would look for barcades and retro arcades and things like that and, and, uh, and go visit them. And, uh, of course, Arcadia Retrocade uh, over in uh, Arkansas is uh, one of my favorite destinations, and it's uh, just a few hours drive from here, so that's uh, uh, always a fun stop as well. Uh, no pun intended for fun stop. So anyway, uh, if you are in the Chicago area, uh, check out Underground Retrocade and go to undergroundretrocade.com. You can see what games they have and, and what's going on. They have all kinds of uh, cool events and, and things like that going on. So uh, thank you, Scott, for uh, continued support for all my podcasts. Next on the list is Chris Folds. And Chris Folds uh, is someone I met through the Amigos. Uh he is a member of their Discord, and, and he started supporting my show as well. And Chris says he doesn't have anything personally to plug, but his request would be to mention this charity. And this is a UK charity, and it is called, uh, I'm not sure if this is Trussell or T. Russell, trust.org forward slash hunger free future forward slash join us. And I will add that URL again, to the show notes that will be on uh, podcast.robohair.com. And it says, uh, or he says, with rising inflation, pandemics, and job losses, there are thousands who wouldn't have any food to eat without such great charities like this. Um, You know, I have a a friend uh, who lives in Portland, and I have been uh, following their story over the past six months. It's a, a... a, uh, a guy and it's a couple and they live together and they have a kid and it's just been one thing after another. Uh, he had to relocate to take a job that was promising a certain uh, uh, salary. And then the salary, when he got there, the salary was less than what they had promised, but he had already moved. So he had to take this job for less money. Uh, and then she uh, was uh, off work and, and has recently found a job and has been having all these troubles with uh Oh, uh, I mean, not to get into details, but just um, her her bank and her and the people that submit her are trying to direct deposit her paycheck uh, aren't working together. So they deposit it and it gets rejected. And and so all she has is a bank card to get money out of the bank, but there's no money going in there. So and this is after working. And then they say, well, we'll try again, you know, in two weeks or whatever. So it's just seeing uh, it. Do, it doesn't take much. Uh, for things to go wrong, you know, it just takes you lose your job, and and uh, which could happen to any of us, and things could go down. And so, man, the older I get, the more I try to think about other people, the more I try to think about supporting, you know, whether it's volunteering, whether it's um, you know, donating, whether it's contributing to something like whatever that is, you know, there's a a, a magazine, one of my New Year's resolutions, there's a magazine. Uh, in Oklahoma City that is uh, it basically is given to uh, homeless people 
and they get X amount of number of the magazines that can sell them and they sell them for $2 and then they take those magazines and they go back and they can buy them for like $1 and then they could continue to sell them for $2. And so it's a way for them to make money and, and try to dig themselves out. And, and, uh, but those magazines need content. So that's one of my new year's resolutions actually is to try to get involved with uh, writing for that magazine, just to give them some content. You know, the, the struggle I've had is I'm, I don't really know what that, target audience is so i'm not sure what i can like i don't think um you know they want to read my commodore game reviews or whatever but i'll I'll figure something out i want to figure something out but um uh but when you read people's stories you know it's it's amazing just how quickly things can go wrong and uh again you know just like uh, what steven burt and some of these other people have have said you know uh it's um there are things out there uh you know there are there are organizations out there and it's just trying to get people connected so uh, again uh, chris this is a nice gesture thanks for sending this to me and i will put this url in the show notes and uh if um you know if this charity or if you're in the uk this might be something for you and if you're not you know you might want to look for uh something local and just uh uh, I'm just very, very fortunate with uh, what I have and what my life is today. And uh, I, always, I always try to think about uh, helping others out. <clears throat> um, next is a really short one. It's Vintage Volts. Uh, vintage Volts is uh, another one of my um, 16-bit patrons. Uh, he's He's been supporting me for a long, long time. Vintage Volts is a super cool guy. Uh, you can find Vintage Volts on Twitter or you could go to VintageVolts.com. He has tons of videos. He has tons of... Uh, I mean, He just buys the coolest stuff. He fixes cool stuff. He builds cool stuff. He's just a cool guy. Like, it's who... Like, like I wish I were that guy. Like, I have broken stuff, but then I just have videos of like I go, I'm gonna make a video fixing this, and then my video is this is how I broke this worse, but with bad lighting. <laughs> so my videos don't turn out so well. Um, but um, uh, like I said, Vintage Volts has been supporting me for a long time, and um, uh, he had a podcast for a little while, and I really enjoyed it, but it just didn't last very long. And I still have those old episodes. I, I think there weren't very many, like six episodes or something, and I dig them up every now and then just. Uh, because uh, he's a cool dude. So anyway, uh, go check out VintageVolts.com or you want to follow somebody interesting on Twitter, look up Vintage Volts and you'll be able to find him. Next on the list is Hacker Radio. So Hacker Radio uh, has uh, been supporting me. They're one of my newer supporters, but they've been supporting uh, the show in a different way. Uh, Hacker Radio is a radio station in Helsinki, Finland. And uh, they are available both online, and uh, it's a little bit of a different spelling. If you're an English speaker like me, it's H-A-K-K-E-R-I-R-A-D-I-O. So it's probably not exactly pronounced Hacker Radio, but that's uh, that's the way I say it. But it's also uh, an FM radio station if you're in Helsinki, Finland. And so uh, I... They were looking for streamable content, and the uh, uh, auntie, uh, who's the uh, the guy behind this hacker radio, contacted me and asked if it would be okay if they played episode of Sprite Castles on the radio. Well, who wouldn't like to be stuck in rush hour traffic in Helsinki, Finland, listening to an episode of Sprite Castle? I know I would. Uh, so uh, I can't believe there's a listenership of people that don't want to hear, uh, like I just, uh, 
it's such a, a, a fun idea for me that uh, there would be somebody driving down the street listening to me talk about uh, Paradroid or, uh, you know, Pac-Man or something like that. But apparently that's going on in, in Helsinki. So God love him. Uh, he says uh, uh, when he contacted me, the radio channel can be uh, listened to worldwide at the hackerradio.fi. And he so originally... Uh, I was frustrated because I found out the URL for Hacker Radio, and then when I went there, it said you can't listen to it because you're in the wrong country. But uh, his commercial license now covers a reasonable level of international traffic, uh, and it's around 10% of listeners from other countries can can listen to it. So it's now opened up for everyone to listen to. And they not just Sprite Castle, they have all kinds of different shows. And most of them, a lot of them are in English. There's a lot of uh, mod, like music type shows and techno shows. I mean, it's a really cool uh, a whole project that they've been working on. And uh, they went off the air uh, a while earlier and now they're back. And so I hope things are going well. Uh, but Hacker Radio does support the show. And like I said, if you're in Helsinki, Finland, uh, They've put Sprite Castle on the radio, which who would have thought that would happen? Uh, we're getting pretty close to the end. We've only got, uh, I think, three more, I think, here. Um, first one is uh, a message I got from Dave Zilli. Now, Dave uh, is uh, another one of my long-term supporters. He came on board right when I brought the show back. Um, and um, Dave wrote me a, a whole message here, and I'm going to read it. Uh, he says, uh, uh as he's mentioned to me before, he discovered my podcast during the peak of the pandemic last year, and that's right when I came back. That was in July of 2020. Uh, he said that we became virtual friends and a source of comfort, and that's very nice to hear. And he said it meant so much, and of course, he continues to enjoy the podcast, which is also nice to hear. One of his hobbies during the pandemic was to grow and enjoy his retro computing collection, including a few Commodore 64s, a 128, and all the things that go with it. He says he generally became really engaged in re-experiencing Commodore stuff through various means, and he spent a lot of solo time on this. But his point is that he lives in the Vancouver area of British Columbia, Canada, and it would be great to hear if any of my other listeners are in that general area. It would be great to connect with them in person one day to share and enjoy our retro hobby and interest together. So... He says, if I were to plug anything on his behalf, it would be to put out a call to action for Canadians. And he says, A, <laughs> to connect, even in person, particularly here on the West Coast. Um, you know, so first of all, uh, I'm throwing that out there. If you are uh, in the uh, Western part, now I know that uh, uh, like Robin Harbron and and uh, Darren Folds and those guys, I think they're all in Thunder Bay. That's like Ontario. That's pretty far east, I think. And um, uh, I'm not sure where L. Curtis Boyle is, but I think he's pretty far east as well. So I know that there's some eastern connects up there that are into the Commodore 64, but I don't, off the top of my head, I don't know of anybody that's on the western side. So, Dave, if, if anybody contacts me or if, if anyone listening is from that area and wants to get together and, and maybe hang out and do some retro computing or something, then uh, if you get with me, I'll put you in touch with Dave and uh, and maybe you guys could get something set up. Uh, Dave's email reminds me of uh, the old days like 
there was a computer store that I used to go to at the mall. I used, there was one place, actually, there was one place in town that had really cheap floppy disks. Now, uh, it wasn't too long into my Commodore obsession before I started buying a floppy disk through mail order because you could get them really cheap. You could buy a hundred for the price that it would cost you to buy like 20 or 30 locally. And, but you know, when you ran out and you needed some discs right away, I would go to the store and, uh, there was just a unique experience about going to a computer store and the guy that worked there and you could ask him about software or computer. And, uh, sometimes you wanted to talk more than they did. Sometimes they wanted to talk more than you wanted to hear. Uh, but it was always, uh, fun just to have somebody locally that you knew was into the same things that you were in, you know. Uh, my buddy Jeff, who I talk about on these podcasts all the time, Jeff and I at one point discussed opening a hacker space, um, which I know is bigger uh, in the UK than it is here. And, and one of the problems here is that there's just so much involved in, in insurance and liability and things like that. Uh, you know, we wanted to put together an area where people could bring old computers and, and leave things set up, but also have some tools. And, you know, Jeff's wanting to get a, a lathe and I have some tools and he has some tools. A friend of mine has a, an arc welder. And so we were just want to put all of our stuff, like rent a, a big building and throw everything in there. And, uh, you know, give people access and, and maybe have people sign up to help split the rent or something like that. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it really harkens back to that same feeling of just wanting a community, uh, you know, some sort of local community to get together. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of the stuff that goes online. There's a lot of, uh, you know, streams and, and, and podcasts and things like that, but nothing just really beats getting in a room with other people that enjoy the same thing you do. So Dave, hopefully uh, somebody will, will get in touch with us. And uh, you can start. You know what? It should be called like the Sprite Castle. Uh, I was going to say fan club. That's a little presumptuous. <laughs> we'll have to come up with some name, though. And we'll we'll start chapters. And, and uh, Dave's going to be the first one. So if you want to, you got to get on that bandwagon, everybody. And uh, we're going to start. Uh, uh, hopefully this uh, pandemic stuff winds down soon and we're able to uh, move on and get back together. Cause I, I would, I would absolutely love to do uh, what you're talking about, Dave. Um, the, uh, I would say uh, the next one, I was going to say next to last, but I, I've got one to add on to the end, but uh, next up is retro rewind. Now retro rewind, uh, their URL is retro rewind one word dot C a, because they are also Canucks. And, uh, Frank is the, uh, the man behind Retro Rewind. Uh, he has been supporting Sprite Castle for, gosh, at least six months now, a big chunk of, uh, 2021. Uh, he has been, uh, um, sponsoring the shows. So if you watch the streams online, the game streams, the podcast stuff, you will see banners, uh, for Retro Rewind.ca, um, when he, came on board as a sponsor. He sent me some hardware to give away and gave away some different cartridges and, and, uh, did some different stuff like that. And when we did the Amiga thon, he, uh, uh, donated some prizes. He is 100% behind the retro community. Uh, you know, the stuff that all the stuff that he does, he doesn't really have to do. I mean, he doesn't have to give away product. He doesn't, he, he mails out t-shirts, uh, to anybody on any of these shows, uh, any of his sponsors, all you got to do is is ask, and, and he sends out T-shirts and and uh, different merch and stuff like that. But um, uh, I mean, so all that stuff aside, 
even if he wasn't supporting it, even if he wasn't, you know, uh, giving away, if all that stuff aside, it's a cool website. I mean, it has great stuff. Uh, lots of Commodore 64 stuff, lots of Amiga stuff. Um, he's moving into the, uh, I think, Coco 3 uh, or Coco. I'll just say Coco uh, hardware stuff. He's got a, a, a like a multi-cart thing for the Coco now. He's got uh, all these diagnostic cartridges that he gave me the uh, uh, fast load cartridge, which is called Freeload that we gave away on the show. Um, he gave me the Wi-Fi, and I don't know if he gave me a Wi-Fi modem or if I bought it. That's the problem is that I've bought so much stuff <laughs> from the store. I've negated most of the uh, <laughs> of the support funds uh, that I've got. But um, yeah, RetroRewind.ca, and uh, he's currently doing a. Uh, if you heard it on Sprite Castle, right now there's a a ten percent code, and mine for Sprite Castle is. Uh, uh, when you check out, it's T-I-S, like tis the season, T-I-S-S-C for Sprite Castle, and you get 10% off, but he's also matching that to go to a local food charity. So, I mean, that's a, a just a, a win-win right there, and uh, uh, whoever raises the most for the charity, he's going to give some gift cards away that, that we can give away to listeners. So, uh, he's just a very generous guy, and he's super into Commodore computers. So if you're looking for something, I would go check there first. Uh, and, and being in North America too, uh, I know that it's Canada, so it still does have to come across the border if you're uh, in the U.S. here. But the shipping is just amazingly fast, uh, so much faster than uh, the things that I've had to order from overseas. So especially you know during COVID, unfortunately. So uh, RetroRewind.ca if you're looking for Commodore stuff. Finally. I got to throw in a shout out for the Amigos. Uh, the Amigos podcast is hosted by John Boat of Car Schaller and Amigo Aaron. Uh, I refer to him as Boat and Aaron. Uh, the Amigos podcast, it's so funny because they mentioned very early on that they were inspired by my podcasts. Um, which is funny because they bypassed me so long ago <laughs> that now I look up to those guys. Um, the Amigos, of course, Amigos is a podcast about Amiga computers, but they have built an entire stable of podcasts. Uh, just between a boat and Aaron, they do probably, I mean, at least half a dozen shows. They've got a show. Uh, they had one for the Atari 1200XL. I think that's retired. They now have an Atari ST show they're about to launch. They have a uh, a Spectrum show. They have an, a 8-bit Atari show. And they have all kinds of shows that they do. Um, plus, they have other podcasters uh, in there. They have uh, the... Um, uh, well, some that, that Aaron does. There's one that he does with his brother, the Brent. The ARG Presents... Uh, there's just all, all kinds of all kinds of stuff, uh, great stuff on there, and uh, I believe it was 2021. It might have been late 2020, but I believe it was 2021 when they uh, invited me to start uploading my podcast to their major feed and uh, my videos, my Sprite Castle podcast and my Sprite Castle plays, uh, which is my my Twitch streams. Uh, uploading those to their YouTube page, which gets way more views than I was getting on mine. So uh, it has really expanded the view. And those are things they didn't have to do. Uh, another thing that they did was they offered me uh, my own little corner on their Discord server. And uh, they normally, the Discord server is only for their 
patrons that support them, but they've allowed me to give access to the Discord server to my patrons. Uh, so they don't get anything from that. That's that's silly. I mean, that's a great business deal on my part. I I get paid, and then and then I get to use their resources for free. <laughs> Uh, they've just been overly generous to me, and uh, it just really means the world that they've uh, included Sprite Castle and just allowed me to become, you know, part of their uh, their little family of of podcasts and, and retro computers. So uh, they have a website. It's I don't know how often it gets updated. It's not very often, but it's everythingamiga.com. Uh, but I'm going to list all these real quick, and again, these will all be on podcast.robohire.com. Uh, their main podcast feed is anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast, and that will get you all of their shows. So whether it's Pixel Guide In, ARG Presents, my show, their show, any of their other shows, uh, you'll get them all under that one single feed. Uh, their Twitch stuff, if, if you're into Twitch and live streaming, is at twitch.tv forward slash Amigos Retro Gaming, and their YouTube channel is also Amigos Retro Gaming. Um, and finally, Boat is going to be doing some sort of convention next summer, and you'll be able to get that information. You can get that information right now at boatfest.info. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be there. I've already purchased a ticket. It's going to be uh, next June uh, in uh, the United States. It's going to be in uh, Hurricane, West Virginia. So if uh, you feel like traveling to West Virginia and you like Commodore or Amiga computers, that is going to be the place to hang out that weekend. So... Uh, Dave Zilly, <laughs> get all those Canadians, round them up, <laughs> drive all the way across Canada, all the way, and then come down over to uh, uh, Hurricane, West Virginia, and, and we'll set up Commodore stuff, and we'll have a good time. Um, but uh, the, uh, the Amigos have just been overly generous in more ways than I can count, and I, I appreciate everything uh, uh, that they have have done and uh, and let me participate in. And they're, they're both just very special guys to me. And uh, thank you, uh, Boat and uh, Aaron, uh, for all that, uh, the doors that you guys have opened. So uh, finally, I have one last thank you, and that is to you. I mean, literally you, the person listening to this right now. I want to say thank you. Um, I was just looking through... Right before I hit record, uh, again, that uh, You Don't Know Flack 1980 or uh, episode 184 was released in 2018, and episode 185 was in July of 2020. And that was when I decided to bring the show back, partially because of COVID. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned on that episode, I think that was called the State of the Union episode, that I had really just found that I was getting through the pandemic from listening to other podcasts. And I wanted to throw my podcast back out there in case people were looking for something else to listen to. And that was uh, episode 185. And this is episode 212. So that's about 27 episodes since then. It has gone quickly. Uh, right after that, I released Sprite Castle 41. And last week I posted Sprite Castle episode 70. So that's another 30 episodes of Sprite Castle. So, uh, I can tell you, and this is the honest truth, uh, th those podcasts would not, neither of those podcasts, this podcast nor that one, would still be going uh, if it weren't for Patreon and if it weren't for feedback from people that I get, not just from, you know, patrons, but uh, I always get comments from uh, Steve Sharippa and his brother and Joe Sharippa and um, 
Of course, I'm drawing a blank here as I'm sitting here, but uh, there, you know, so many people that uh, send me, you know, their their guesses for the eight bit song on Sprite Castle, or people that tell me they liked the game or didn't like the game, uh, and and it just if it if it weren't for you listening to the show and letting me know that you're listening to the show, then there would be no show. There would be no reason for it. So that is the final person that I want to thank uh, is you. For listening, for uh, you know, just keeping you you keeping going keeps me going. So let's all keep each other going. So uh, that that is uh, everything that I have here. So I'm not going to do all the uh, uh, the normal normal fade out because this is uh, this is actually the last episode I believe of 2021. I'm leaving on vacation. Tomorrow afternoon, I'll be gone uh, until around Christmas, and then I'm off work through uh, 2021. I don't go back to work until the first week of 2022. So uh, I probably will do uh, a Sprite Castle when I get back that week between Christmas and New Year's, just because I'm off work and and uh, idle hands don't. I don't. I don't really stop doing stuff. So. Uh, I'll probably jump in and do uh, do some Sprite Castle stuff, but uh, uh, this will probably be the last You Don't Know Flat until 2022. So, uh, again, I, I mentioned, you know, with the uh, with between this month and next month for the uh, uh, what has come in on on Patreon. What I'm planning on doing is kind of setting up a little special studio area here in the room, kind of re. Uh, organizing things i'm i'm looking at that new microphone i'm looking at maybe building something that resembles more of a recording booth where i could get some better audio um maybe do some green screen stuff i don't know there's cool stuff in 2022 we're gonna um put a fresh coat of paint on everything we're gonna you know what do they call it when they uh rustle up the tree, you know, and they fluff it up a little bit there. So there'll, there'll be some changes, but they'll all be fun stuff. And uh, some I know and some I don't know yet, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing on as long as you guys will have me. Uh, I'd like to, I'd like to stay in your ear. So that sounds really creepy. So with that, um, of course, you know, if you want to give me feedback about this or any episode, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at Rob you could join the conversation on Facebook over at facebook.com forward slash Robcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Commodore. You can chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord. Or you can send a message to the podcast hotline. Leave me a voicemail over at 405-486-YDKF. Uh, I already plugged Patreon. If you want to find out more about supporting the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. Uh, of course, all the uh, patrons get, they get blog posts, they get my Rando Rob videos, which is my video series where I show off random things around the room. Uh, you get access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server and then other additional perks as they come up. So uh, you can find this show on iTunes, it's on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or you can just get it right from my website, which is podcast.robohara.com. And uh, video versions of You Don't Know Flack are available at youtube.com forward slash Sprite Castle. If you need to find links to anything, go to podcast.robohara.com. It has all the episodes of all my podcasts. They're all there. Uh, plus, there's links to the YouTube stuff, the RSS feeds, and uh, any of that. So, 
I don't know what you celebrate. We do Merry Christmas in my house, but if you do something else, uh, I wish you the best holiday season ever. I hope you are with family and friends. I hope that you're with people that you love and people that love you. Um, I appreciate every single one of you. And uh, thank you so much for all your support, for listening. And I am looking forward to doing more of this again in 2022. Thank you all and have a good night.